1: Here's your host, Radical Russ
4: Melville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Monday, March seventh, two 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. So glad you could join us today for another great week of shows here on CannabisRadio.com. We are the home of the best in marijuana podcasting and live radio. Including our newest show, The Tommy Chong Podcast, which is available exclusively on CannabisRadio.com and heard live on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. So check that out. Um, You can catch it on our Cannabis Radio live feed. Also, speaking of live shows, we've got the Stoner Jesus Show. You can catch that at 5 o'clock Pacific, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And of course, this show every weekday, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific. Also podcasting on cannabis radio, you'll hear Vivian McPeak with Hemp Present, Dr. Mitch Earlywine with The Grow Show, Dr. Dina with Cannabis Confidential, Dave Inman with State of Cannabis, and so many more. If you want to know about medical marijuana, industrial hemp, consumer cannabis, activism, advocacy, politics, news, religion, anything that has to do with weed, it's right here on cannabisradio.com. Before we get into the show today, I have to make mention of the passing of former first lady Nancy Reagan. And some people, you know, they they hear something like that and they react to it in a kind of a celebratory way because she was such an anti-drug zealot. She, you know, created the Just Say No campaign and so forth. But I want to take this opportunity for us to think about our enemies, shall we call them enemies? Uh our opponents. I like I think is a better term. And recognize that The people that oppose us, by and large, aren't evil, right? Most of them are ignorant or miseducated. And I I would put Nancy Reagan in that category. Her goal with Just Say No wasn't to make our lives miserable and to set the foundation for mass incarceration and so forth, or to enrich a bunch of companies or be part of some conspiracy to keep hemp down or anything like that. And I'm not saying those things don't exist. I'm just saying that someone like Nancy Reagan, I don't think she was that manipulative of a person. I think she was genuinely concerned about the problems with drugs and genuinely wanted to help kids. I really believe that. Now, she was completely misguided and absolutely wrong on how to help those kids. But I don't celebrate her death like she was some sort of evil witch or something like that. She, she, I don't think she knew better. Now, someone like Michelle Lenhart, the former DEA administrator, that's, that's someone who knows better. Anyway, coming up on today's show, speaking of Dr. Mitch Earlywine earlier, uh, we have the, Cannabis Q&A segment coming up at half past, but Dr. Mitch won't be joining us. We'll be speaking to his student, Melissa Slavin. She'll be on the line, and she's revealing some of the data they've collected on cannabis use by middle-aged women undergoing menopause. And this is a subject that first got brought up years ago uh, when I was uh, doing Normals' show, and our good friend, Lively Libra, also known as Lisa... She was bringing this question up often, and we thought it deserved some study. We finally got some study done, and we'll give you the results coming up at half past. Also on the show today, we'll take a look at the most recent cancellation of the Cannabis Cup, this time in Denver, and lament how much work we still have yet to do for legalization. We've got a look at Border Patrol seizures of cannabis since legalization. Guess guess which direction those have gone. And more shenanigans as the banking industry puts the clamps to normal for advocating legalization. It's all coming up on the Russ Belleville Show.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate.
3: <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case.
2: <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. It's time
1: for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds.
4: This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, March seventh, two 2016. Governor Kate Brown has signed two bills that make key changes to Oregon's recreational marijuana program, including one that removes a two-year residency requirement that for marijuana licensees and another that aims to draw small medical growers into the regulated system. Brown signed Senate Bill 1598, which also adds medical and research marijuana grows as recognized farm crops, clarifies that home medical marijuana grows aren't subject to inspection and creates a subcategory of dispensaries for nonprofits that may accept excess marijuana from growers and sell to patients for little or no cost. And she signed House Bill 4014, which also reduces annual medical marijuana card registration fees for veterans from $200 to $20 and treats medical marijuana the same as prescription drugs for people under correctional supervision. Senate Bill 1511, which allows dispensaries to sell marijuana-infused edibles and concentrates earlier than planned, and House Bill 4094, which allow banks and credit unions to deal with legal pot businesses without facing criminal liability, are still awaiting her signature. The U.S. Supreme Court did not make a decision Monday on whether to hear a lawsuit brought against Colorado over marijuana legalization. The nation's highest court had been scheduled on Friday to privately discuss the lawsuit brought by the neighboring states of Nebraska and Oklahoma, but a list of Supreme Court orders released on Monday made no mention of the case. Nebraska and Oklahoma say Colorado's licensing of marijuana stores impermissibly conflicts with federal law and creates burdens for them by increasing the amount of pot coming across their borders. Because the lawsuit involves a dispute between states, it was filed directly to the Supreme Court. The first step in the lawsuit is for the justices to decide whether they even want to consider the suit. A trio of the state's major power brokers is opposed to the coming proposal to legalize marijuana in Massachusetts, saying it would be dangerous and expensive in an op-ed in the Boston Globe. Quote, The question before us now is whether marijuana should be fully legal and widely available for commercial sale, Right, Governor Charlie Baker, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, and Attorney General Maura Healey. We think the answer is no, end quote. This November, Massachusetts residents will be able to vote on a ballot question that would regulate and tax the sale of marijuana for recreational purposes. They argue that legalizing marijuana makes it more likely for young people to use marijuana, and that marijuana-related emergency room visits and marijuana-related traffic deaths increased in Colorado. Los Angeles Rams running back Trey Mason was subdued with a stun gun twice when he refused to cooperate with officers who were arresting him in South Florida for reckless driving and marijuana possession, police in Hollywood, Florida said Sunday. Mason refused orders to get out of his Porsche sports car Saturday afternoon after he was pulled over for going more than twice the speed limit in a 35 mile per hour zone along a beachside road, according to a police report released by the Hollywood Police Department. Mason refused to give the patrol officer his name or provide identification, and the officer smelled marijuana in the car. Mason is charged with resisting arrest without violence, reckless driving, possession of less than 20 grams of cannabis, and failure to register a vehicle. The manufacturing of industrial hemp for commercial purposes has been legalized in Virginia. Governor Terry McAuliffe signed the bill after it passed the General Assembly 138 to nothing. This bill will allow farmers to legally manufacture industrial hemp products. The law will go into effect July 1, 2016, according to the Virginia Industrial Hemp Coalition. Virginia will now join several other states that allow cultivation, production, and or manufacturing of hemp products. The new bill redefines industrial hemp as an agricultural commodity and allows licensed growers to cultivate the plant. A bill to allow private farmers to grow and sell industrial hemp through permits from the State Department of Agriculture has unanimously passed the Hawaii State House of Representatives and will cross over to the Senate. Representative Kaniela Ng, who wrote and introduced the bill along with 34 of his colleagues, called the measure, quote, the most robust industrial hemp bill being considered this year, end quote saying it follows models in Kentucky and Colorado to legalize industrial hemp to the full extent as permitted by federal law by requiring all growers to enter into a memorandum of understanding with the State Department of Agriculture. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, March 7, 2016. I'm Russ Bellville.
7: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world.
1: You're listening to The Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the
7: Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird.
1: Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
4: 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consumed cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like, brought to you by Portland Norwood. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The Fingerboard Extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today. Or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. The world of
1: cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
4: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we look back to my friends and mentors at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, a.k.a. Normal. We're big fans of Normal here at the Russ Belville Show and CannabisRadio.com. And I'm reading today's column by Normal founder and my personal friend, Keith Strop, about how Normal has lost its credit card services. They are or were serviced by a company called TransFirst, one of these uh, credit card processors. And according to Keith's column, there was no advance notice. They got a registered mail last week that TransFirst was no longer going to process their credit card traffic. Now, this is a huge problem for Normal because they take a lot of donations online through credit or debit cards. They uh, sell all sorts of swag online using credit and debit cards, and now they cannot do so. And the reason why, given by TransFirst, was the content of their website some mid-level executive from TransFirst logged on to Normal.org and saw that it had marijuana leaves or was talking about marijuana. And Keith calls them up and asks, well, what's the deal? Why are you canceling our account? And according to TransFirst, they said they're part of the marijuana industry. So TransFirst felt like it had to cancel Normal's account because Normal's part of the marijuana industry. Now, understand... Normal's a nonprofit and does not sell a single bit of marijuana. They're not a dispensary. They're not a dispensary locator service. They're not a medical marijuana doctor referral service. They're an advocacy group, a political advocacy group. And what has happened here is some financial corporation has decided, based on the content of the website, advocating for a change in law. That that nonprofit shouldn't be able to process credit cards, and and it's not as if you know. There's a lot of this question about the banking industry and, and people worrying you know the banks that close accounts and so forth for dis, for dispensaries because you know they, they worry about those federal problems. There's no federal problem with normal. There's absolutely no penalty the federal government could issue to TransFirst for handling Normal's credit card business. Normal is a First Amendment political nonprofit advocacy organization. And it's been taking credit cards for decades now. It was taking credit cards in the 80s when we were really, really anti-pot. Remember? It was taking credit cards in the 90s. When they were really, really anti-pot. It's just, it's remarkable to me that as marijuana becomes more and more legal and more and more accepted by the general public, we're finding it to be more and more restricted in some ways. Stay tuned for the Radical rant At the end of the show, we'll talk about another aspect of this, the idea of cannabis clubs, cannabis cafes, pot lounges, cannabis cups, hemp fests, festivals. We'll talk about how those have been affected. But this is just ridiculous. Now, normal's currently looking for another uh, credit card processor, and I don't think they'll have much problem. But this should anger everybody, not just people that are fans of marijuana legalization, but people who are fans of the First Amendment, people who are fans of our political speech rights, because normal's being punished here just for their political views. Now, A lot of people will say, oh, First Amendment, you can't censor people, but that has to do with the government. There's nothing about the First Amendment that forces a company to have to provide services to somebody. You know, if this if this uh, credit card company, say, was, you know, run by the Koch brothers, they might refuse business from liberals. Who knows? But it's certainly anti-American, even if it's not unconstitutional. It's it's definitely anti-American. For this company to effectively be censoring, to effectively be silencing, or at least to be impeding the progress of normal in being able to change these marijuana laws. It also comes as normal's gearing up for the presidential primary season and preparing a public relations blast to inform marijuana voters about their choices, their primaries, and and which candidates uh, – uh, where the candidates stand on marijuana issues, I'm not floating some sort of conspiracy theory like they're purposely picking the timing here to try to interrupt normal's mission, to try to deny cannabis-friendly voters – information they need to make informed choices i'm not i'm not saying it's a conspiracy i'm just saying it's bloody good timing (laughs) If, if if that was the goal it's bloody good timing isn't it shut normal down just as they're getting ready for this uh this big blitz on the uh the primaries it's just it's just a shame and let's hope that normal gets their credit card services back and when they do i'll let you know so you can make a big donation
2: What the hell is supposed to do,
4: you moron? You're supposed to register, you're supposed to vote. Happy 420 to the Mountain Time Zone, and uh, news for you primary followers, tomorrow, Michigan votes, and uh, Bernie Sanders has just pulled to within five points of Hillary Clinton. He was down by 30. He's pulled to within five, according to the latest Michigan State poll. We're back with some Border Patrol seizure data right after this.
6: Get the
1: latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook
2: Most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go.
6: Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. Trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at FingerboardExtension.com.
1: Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence truth and logic on our side it's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use arrests seizures rehabs drug tests and more on this edition of
4: drug war data mining today in the data mines we take a look at seizure data we're getting this information from the u.s customs and border patrol And the latest data for marijuana seizures shows that in 2015, we had the least amount of Mexican marijuana seized at the border in over a decade. That's right, folks. Legalization is doing to the Mexican drug cartels what decades of drug war has been unable to accomplish. And that's because legalization recognizes... That no matter what you do, no matter what laws you pass, no matter how many guns and helicopters you throw at the problem, you cannot repeal the law of supply and demand. People in America want marijuana. Now, for a long time, that marijuana has been supplied in bulk, and some pretty lousy marijuana, supplied in bulk by the Mexican drug cartels. It's unknown exactly how much marijuana makes up their business, but some estimates say as high as 60% of their business. I don't think it's that much, but still, whatever it is, it's a segment of business that they should not profit from. Taking a look at the figures, over the past 10 years, the average seizure has been about two and a half million pounds at our southern border. Going back to 2006, it was about 2.25 million 2007 about 3.25 million 2008 about 2.75 2009 was the highest year on record for the past 10 years anyway at about 3.75 million pounds of marijuana and since 2009 it has gone steadily downward with one exception so in 2010 below 3.5 in 2011 at 2.5 in 2012, 2.25 2013, a slight tiny increase back up to about 2.5. And remember 2013 would be the first year that uh, legal possession was available in Washington and Colorado and legal uh, cultivation in Colorado. So 2013 about 2.5 million. And each year since 2013, it's dropped by about a half million pounds in 2014 less than 2 million pounds. And last year's number was also the least amount of marijuana in the past 10 years until that record was broken this year at 1.5 million pounds. So we're a full million pounds lower than the decade average of 2.5 million pounds. And of course, much of this has to be the fault of legalization and especially as 2014 and 2015 allowed for the purchase of marijuana within stores. That's just in Washington and Colorado, folks, that has caused this massive drop. Part of that also is because the massive drop in in, uh, seizures is related to the massive increase in production in America, whether it is in the legal states or not. But the legal states also lead to a decrease in the price. And the lower the price, the less the Mexican cartels can compete as well. According to a Mexican marijuana grower on NPR back in December 2014, he says two or three years ago, a kilo of marijuana was worth 60 to 90 dollars. But now they're paying 30 to 40 a kilo. So for the farmer in Mexico, he's getting half what he used to get for his crops. And he says, quote, if the U.S. continues to legalize pot, they'll run us into the ground, end quote. And it's not just the price of marijuana, it's the quality of marijuana as well. Nobody wants to buy the Mexican dirt weed anymore. The marijuana being produced in the United States is far better. And it brings into question also our U.S. Customs and Border Patrol and how much of their workload is based on seizing marijuana. I've got a report here from the Center for investigative reporting that shows that four out of five border patrol drug busts involve us citizens. You know, that, uh, what was it? Steve King, the representative from Iowa who said, you know, the Mexicans are bringing the marijuana across the border and they got calves, the size of cantaloupes. Cause they're hauling these, you know, huge bales of weed. It just ain't so. Four out of five of the people getting caught for drug busts are U.S. citizens. Overall immigration from Mexico is at a negative now. More people are leaving the United States going to Mexico than Mexicans are coming into the United States. And we continue to see the overall amount of marijuana being seized drop year after year. It's also something of note that the U.S. Border Patrol has the jurisdiction to operate within 100 miles of the U.S. border. And that counts not just the southern border with Mexico, not just the northern border with Canada, but also our coastlines on the East Coast, the West Coast and the Gulf Coast. It also counts the, the coastlines around Alaska and, of course, all of Hawaii, because all of Hawaii is within 100 miles of, the, of its coast. Because of this 100-mile jurisdiction and because of the fact that so many of our largest cities, nine out of ten of them, are within 100 miles of the coast, it makes it so that two-thirds of the United States population lives within this 100-mile zone where the Border Patrol is allowed to operate freely. And not just setting up permanent roadblocks where they can... Stop you without cause and search you without cause, but they can also set up temporary traveling sorts of roadblocks. And again, we're talking about a federal police force that does not have to obey the Fourth Amendment when they're searching you because it's supposedly for homeland security and protecting our border. Learn more about the Border Patrol, folks. All right, we're going to take a break, learn more about women, menopause, and cannabis when we come back.
1: This is The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Fuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabet since 2012.
4: Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. Instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest Second Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's
1: time for the Rust Bellville Show's Cannabis Q and A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Early Wine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to
4: 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour. And today we got a special edition of our cannabis Q&A. Dr. Mitch won't be joining us today. Instead, one of his protégés is with us. Melissa Slavin is on the line. Melissa, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thank you.
4: Are you hearing me Okay.
0: Yeah, can you hear me well?
4: Yep, you're doing just fine. Thanks so much. Okay, good. So we're really excited. First of all, are are you Doctor Melissa yet or are you just Melissa?
0: No, I'm just Melissa, yeah. Well <laughs> I shouldn't say
4: I shouldn't say just Melissa. You're very special to us.
0: <laughs> thank you
4: so uh this is some interesting information for us because a very good friend of our show uh, uh lisa is her name uh long ago when we did this segment with dr mitch asked questions about menopause and cannabis and and whether or not you know she said she gets some relief from it but wanted to know if there's any data and dr mitch kind of went hey that's a good question so mm-hmm. can you tell us where this question evolved into the work that you've done
0: yeah sure um so basically we're looking at just treatment current treatments for um, menopause, and we see that there's not that many both safe and effective treatments. Um, and also a lot of the treatments out there just focus on like one symptom um, over a lot of others. So hot flashes mainly is the, the treatment is a focus of a lot of treatments. So um, there's horm- hormone replacement therapy. Um, it decreases hot flashes, but there's a lot of associated risks. Um, antidepressants. It shows some efficacy, but there's still a lot of side effects. Um, and again, the, just the focus on hot flashes over other symptoms like insomnia, irritability, depression, and joint pain, all of those symptoms influence one another. So we're looking at mostly a holistic treatment plan um, that can address more than one symptom and then hopefully kind of um, be able to help others just through um, affecting one symptom as well.
4: That's very very interesting. So uh, you've uh, done some preliminary research on this, and did Lisa's uh, uh, did Lisa's anecdotal stories match the data? Did did people find yeah. relief from this?
0: Yeah. So basically, what we did, we surveyed um, around 115 menopausal and postmenopausal women. Um, we asked them about their um, marijuana use, both frequency and quantity. Um, we asked them about their menopause symptoms. Their expectancies that they had um, about marijuana treating those symptoms and any sort of cannabis related problems that they had. Um, And basically, what we found from this is that these women did expect, um, they had meaningful expectancies that marijuana would help treat each of these marijuana symptoms, I mean, these um, menopause symptoms, everything except for bladder problems. Um, So, the symptoms we have listed it's joint muscle discomfort, irritability, sleep problems, depression, anxiety, um, hot flashes and sex problems, heart discomfort, exhaustion, vaginal dryness, and bladder problems. So we then looked um, specifically pairing up these um, expectancies, seeing which ones were actually held to be more meaningful, um, and we found, again, that uh, these women expected it to treat uh, symptoms that were already treated by medical marijuana, such as irritability, sleep problems, depression, anxiety, um, and even hot flashes was actually endorsed. So um, we then looked at their use, um, their cannabis use, and what we found is that these symptoms actually did predict um, whether or not uh, more so frequency of use um, rather than quantity. So we measured uh, frequency in days per month. So basically, um, if someone had a higher amount of symptoms, they were more likely to use um, uh, more days per month. Uh, We then looked at those expectancies that they had towards marijuana treating these symptoms, and we found it actually mediated this relationship. So basically what that means is it's just accounting for that relationship. Um, If someone's going to have high expectancies that marijuana will treat these symptoms, they're going to end up using more days per month than someone who does not hold high expectancies. Um, And what we also found was pretty interesting is that it did not actually relate to problems. So we did a regression analysis. We put... Um, symptoms, we put expectancies, um, what else did be, but frequency of use as well as intoxication we used as a proxy for quantity, and the only actual um, variable to predict problems was intoxication, um, which we kind of took as an indicator of quantity. So frequency of use, symptoms, and expectancies did not even, um, they did not predict problems, hmm. showing that you can actually use um you know, at least even even frequently more days per month, um, and still not experience problems if you're you know doing it correctly and you have expectancies that it's going to treat the right symptoms and um, going off of that. How
4: how did you manage to uh, evaluate this data with respect to uh, the the people's you know. Uh, um, I don't know, frequency of use of cannabis or I should say their their background with it. I mean, is it confounding that you might be dealing with people who've been using marijuana for a long time and there's some placebo effect versus having a control group that's never used marijuana and then gets a chance to try it against these symptoms? Can you outline that for us?
0: yeah um well actually uh, that's currently we're gonna be doing work on that um we're gonna be using a sample from Craigslist. so it's going to be and this is on actually now we're doing p m s work so it's gonna be a little bit of a more uh comparison group um a lot of the the sample was from uh normal or um just people that might be associated with um you know just interested in legalization of marijuana. So it, it, it might have some sort of bias. But at the same time, we also asked these individuals, you know, like, how often do you use? We asked them um, if they use primarily for menopause. So we kind of took a lot of factors into account to see that it was varied enough. Um, but again, we, we're going to continue the research with other samples just to kind of verify that.
4: Okay. What are the, you know, for people that don't know, what are the mechanisms behind uh, menopause what what is causing these symptoms? and what do you hypothesize cannabis is doing to alleviate those symptoms?
0: Um, well, I mean, generally, the symptoms that we're focusing on here again, are the ones we know that uh, marijuana has been shown to treat already. So we have irritability, uh, joint pain, insomnia, um, even like depression, anxiety, and and again, hot flashes was actually endorsed, so that's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting topic, too, to be further studied. The mechanisms behind them, primarily for menopause, I'm not sure if it would be completely different than it would be just um, in and of itself having those symptoms. So we're kind of just looking at it like that. Like we've seen in the past, uh, medical marijuana has treated these symptoms. So now can it treat these symptoms in the context of menopause? Um, And, again, our kind of – our hypothesis with hot flashes is is that – Because these symptoms so often do exacerbate one another, Um, so if, I'm trying to give an example specifically, but I mean something can influence hot flashes if, if you don't have enough sleep or if you're stressed out. So, you know, treating one of these symptoms might actually influence these other symptoms as well.
4: I see. Okay, so that that's making some sense to me. Uh, we're speaking with Melissa Slavin, as she is a student of Dr. Mitch Earlywines here on the Cannabis Q&A, and we're discussing the use of cannabis uh, for women that are uh, suffering the effects of menopause. You also mentioned that you're uh, starting up some research on PMS. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yep, so we're basically doing um, the same study. Uh, we're just asking now about PMS symptoms, PMDD symptoms. So a lot of them are very similar Um, to some of the menopause symptoms we have there, Uh, we're expecting pretty similar results in regard to um, irritability, some sleep problems, um, you know, know, what else? We have anxiety. Um, So basically a few of those we're expecting that um, definitely uh, people use marijuana for and that they expect it to help. So it's going to be essentially the same design as, as the same one for the menopause.
4: All right, and uh, another you know female specific treatment we've heard for cannabis is for the treatment of cramps, of menstrual cramps. This is, I mean goes back to Queen Victoria uh, in the lore. Uh, is that something that you're planning on looking at as well?
0: So that's interesting. I actually wrote about that. Um, we are doing some research as to when the idea of um, marijuana for women's problems first came up. And I saw that um, there was a lot of historical accounts of it being used for um, cramps and even like during uh, childbirth, there was some, there was some stuff. So there was a bunch of information. Um, I'm, we are going to ask about that. So we do ask um, cramps as a potential symptom in PMS and PMDD. So that is going to be information we'll find out and we'll see whether or not it's, it, people expect it to help and um, Yeah, just based on their use, based on those expectancies.
4: Hmm. It's fascinating to me. And I'm wondering, just generally speaking, uh, the the metabolization of cannabinoids and, and their effects on people, is there any marked differences between how they affect or they're metabolized between men and women?
0: So that I'm not entirely sure about. So I don't want to speak of just yet but it's definitely going to be something that um, will be noted in, you know, in the next study for sure because, I mean, it, it is something. and We're going to be doing a whole literature review for um, marijuana for a bunch of different um, women's um, issues, so not just even PMS. Like we were thinking um, endometriosis and things like that. So it would be interesting to know whether or not it is metabolized differently. Um, so still something to consider for us.
4: Yeah, another uh, another thing exactly. when it comes to cannabis and women's issues, here in the state of Oregon, uh, our dispensaries have to issue a, a little warning, a piece of paper that says it may be bad for breastfeeding or for uh, the fetus uh, in utero. Any, any desire to look at that data and include that in your next round as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good um, area to include. So I, I will be doing that for sure.
4: Well, that's excellent, and I'm sure people will have plenty of questions about this and, and maybe even want to contribute their own uh, anecdotal information. Do you have any contact information you'd like to give out if people want to help
8: out?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I can give my specific um, email address, or I can give generally just uh, the study email address. So it's, it's both Mitch um, and mine. So I could, I could probably do that. It would be uh, 420research at gmail.com.
4: Okay, four two zero research at gmail dot com. Our listeners know that as the as the Dr. Mitch uh, email address, so they should. Yeah, be and I mean,
0: I can give mine specifically too. I don't know if sure. if you want that. Yeah, go okay. ahead. So mine is M N, and then S L A V I N at gmail
4: dot Melissa. Okay, M N at gmail dot com. Yep. Fantastic. And is this the first major bit of work that you've been in charge of in your career?
0: um yeah with uh, especially with medical marijuana, it has been I've done some work um with addictive behaviors and like looking at gambling and um more so behaviors and and that that really interested me and so I think this line of research is kind of um it's interesting because it's obviously you know a substance, but it's something in which there shouldn't necessarily be that addictive component in the same way um as other substances, so it's kind of like an interesting um border between those two lines of
4: research. I completely agree. Well, Melissa, thank you for joining us on the show, filling in Dr. Mitch's uh, enormous shoes, uh, metaphorically speaking, and uh, good luck on the future research. We'll look forward to uh, breaking the news on that when you get some more data in. Okay. Thank you
0: so much.
4: All right, Melissa. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye.
4: Stay tuned, folks. We've got a radical rant coming up. They've canceled the 420 Cannabis Cup for Denver. Jeez, where can you have a cannabis cup these days? Seattle, Portland, Denver? Nope, nope, and nope. We'll talk about that and the future when we return.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website. Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com.
1: You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
6: As it relates
2: to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe.
1: Okay. Maybe
2: you're high, too. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living.
4: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we
2: can use consciously and intelligently. Coming soon
4: to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com.
6: must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana,
3: pot, grass, whatever you want to
6: call it is probably
8: the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room.
6: I experimented with marijuana no a time or two, and I didn't like it. It didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant.
4: Well, well, well. Once again, they have canceled a cannabis cup. This time it's in... Pueblo, Colorado, which was the backup plan to try to get it scheduled for somewhere around 420. They, of course, uh, were originally going to be in Denver, Colorado, where they've had cannabis cups for quite a long time now, uh, at least four years that I can think of. And unfortunately, there will be uh, no cannabis cup. The uh, Denver Mart would not issue the uh, permit. The Adams County people, he didn't want to have it permitted, said there was way too much traffic. There was minors that were using. They couldn't keep it under control. Yada, yada, yada. Whatever the excuse is. And this is concerning to me because this now makes it three for three of the legal cities in America where high times can't hold a cannabis cup. Portland, Seattle, and Denver, the capitals, if you will, of the three legal states that currently have commerce in marijuana, cannot hold a cannabis cup. What the hell kind of legalization is that? And it's, it becomes even more disturbing when you recognize that these cities, all three of them, well, Portland never had a cannabis cup, but Seattle and Denver have had numerous cannabis cups already. And they began as medical cannabis cups. So so these cities had cannabis cups before marijuana was even legal. And it was a medical cannabis cup, right? So it's it just feels weird to me that we've made marijuana more legal. But these cities have felt they've had to be more restrictive about it. It's like they're dying gasp of prohibition, their, their last pushback to try to mess with us in some sort of way. And it's just frustrating as hell. Now, I, I can already hear the stoners against legalization, the true legalizers, bitching. See? See, we told you it wasn't true legalization. See? <laughs> well, the problem, though, is that the op- the alternative to that would be that we shouldn't have voted for initiative 502 measure 91 and amendment 64. And I don't think anybody thinks that's the right idea that we should go back to being illegal. What this shows us is not that those legalization votes were wrong or ne- or even necessarily that those first legalization ballots were flawed. Although there were some flaws. It just shows us that legalization is a process Legalization is a marathon, not a sprint. Legalization is the means by which we get toward freedom. And we're not at freedom yet. We're not even close to where we should be freedom wise. And that's the the points the stoners against legalization bring up all the time when they criticize this or that legalization initiative is, well, it still allows people to go to jail for weed or it doesn't release all the pot prisoners or whatever the complaint might be. And you have to just say, yeah, you're right. But it does stop the arrest of, and then whatever it makes legal, an ounce or less, six plants or less, whatever it might be. Six plants or fewer, I should say. And it's a process. And, and, you know, it's, it's like the Emancipation Proclamation was not true freedom. In 1863, when Lincoln emancipated the Africans who were being held as slaves. It did not equal freedom. There was still a hundred years or so where the freed slaves couldn't vote, had poll taxes levied against them, couldn't hold certain jobs, had to sit in the back of the bus, had to use a different water fountain. That wasn't freedom. Hell, the right for black and white people to marry each other in all 50 states didn't happen until 1967. I was a fetus in 1967 when when Loving v. Virginia was uh, heard by the Supreme Court. So I mean, that's a long time. That's a long span between freedom from slavery and freedom to marry. Okay, and that doesn't mean that you reject the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, especially if you're one of the slaves. <laughs> Can you imagine one of the slaves saying, uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Lincoln, it's all great. You want to free the slaves and all, but can we marry white women? No. Well, take it back. That's not true freedom. That would be ridiculous and tragic, wouldn't it? So, no, it's not that we legalize the wrong way. No matter how we legalize, there'd be something to fix, is my point. And as these legalization initiatives go on and on, they get better and better. We're we're seeing uh, the the latest ones include... Cannabis cafes and pot lounges and ways of licensing public sort of events. In fact, by 2017, it might be Portland, Seattle, and Denver being the only places in legal states where you can't hold a cannabis cup. It's it's confusing how this happened. Let me break it down. So Seattle, they couldn't hold the cannabis cup in Seattle because the state passed a law after the legalization law passed, they passed another law felonizing cannabis clubs. They were upset because people were opening up clubs or bars, existing bars were opening up sections where adults could show up and smoke cannabis. And they had to turn that into a felony because, you know, if, if people gather together in a building to consume cannabis, you know, um, what, What, (laughs) what is it that happens? They were happening. These, these things were going on. These, you know, Frankie's club and other places were going on for quite a while. And there were no increase in wrecks. There were no, you know, uh, nuisance calls from neighbors. There were no problems. Certainly nothing compared to your typical bar on a Saturday night. I mean, I've covered these hemp fests in Seattle for 10 years where they have hundreds of thousands of people. Openly smoking pot. Some of them even doing dabs. And there's no problems. There's no issues. You don't have to take my word for it. Ask a cop. Ask an EMT. Ask a nurse whether they'd rather cover a pot event or an alcohol event. It's just, it blows my mind that Seattle, Washington would freak out about there being a place where pot smokers are gathering after being ID'd even and searched they have a problem with that. But Seattle has literally hundreds of buildings built for the express purpose of administering mind altering and performance decreasing drugs to adults for entertainment. These buildings have parking lots for the express purpose of storing the vehicles of those adults while they alter their minds and decrease their performance with drugs inside the drug building. Seattle then trusts the drug-building owners to not administer too much drugs to the adults, and Seattle trusts the adults to judge the degree of their mind alteration and decreased performance before returning to the parking lots to operate their vehicles. Seattle even allows for a tolerable degree of mind alteration and decreased performance for adults operating vehicles on the road after taking drugs in the drug-buildings, knowing that this tolerance comes at the cost of thousands of deaths on the roads. But because we call the drugs alcohol and the buildings bars, none of that's a felony in Washington. In Portland, they can't have a cannabis cup, or for that matter, a cannabis cafe, because they amended the Oregon Clean Air Act to include vaporization and cannabinoids. So anywhere you can't smoke tobacco, indoors... Uh, you can't smoke cannabis or vaporize cannabis or even use e-cigarettes for nicotine. Now, the rationale behind the Oregon Clean Air Act was the workplaces and the workers and all oh, the poor servers in the smoky bars are going to be inhaling secondhand smoke. And scientifically, we've shown that secondhand smoke's a problem. So this was a safety protocol to protect workers' lungs. Never mind that we still allow coal mining in West Virginia. <laughs> Forget that for a moment. But the problem is we don't have science showing any sort of comparable harms from secondhand cannabis smoke, much less cannabis vaporization. Dr. Tashkin's work found that cannabis smokers, and that's that's inhaling firsthand cannabis smoke, showed lower risk for lung cancer than even non-smokers. And of course, vaporization doesn't even produce smoke. So there's no science to show that cannabis smoke or vaporization produces the tobacco-like harms that the Clean Air Act was based upon. And, you know, that's not even a point we have to defend. That's beside the real point, which is that that same Clean Air Act has exemptions within it to allow for tobacco smoking at smoke shops and cigar bars. So somehow we can allow these alcohol buildings with parking lots, and we can allow these tobacco buildings where smoking of the real harmful shit's allowed. But we can't have a cannabis cup? We can't have a cannabis cafe? The other thing that messed up trying to get a a, a permit in Portland, okay, so you figure, well, let's have it in a big venue or an outdoor or something like that. Here's the other problem. The OLCC, our Liquor Control Commission that runs marijuana, decided that any venue that has a liquor license is a public place. And under our law, you cannot consume cannabis in public view. And if you're in a public place, then you're in public view. Now, this doesn't mean you can't hold a cannabis cup where there's alcohol being served. It means any place that has a liquor license, whether they're using it at the time or not. Well, pretty much every private ballroom and every big area that would have parking lots, and the ability to hold a massive cannabis cup, has a liquor license, even if they're not using it. So that pretty much wipes out all the places you could have a cannabis cup in Portland. And in Denver, again, they've got all these crazy imagined harms that they'll point out for 10 or 20,000 cannabis consumers once a year. But they'll turn a blind eye to the shenanigans of 76,000 people drinking beer at Mile High Stadium or Coors Field. Coors freaking Field! It's named after beer! Well, Denver Normal's going forth with their city initiative, maybe they'll get pot lounges legalized. Good luck, Denver Normal. For everyone here at cannabisreview.com, I'm Radical Russ. Stay tuned for Hour 2, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers!
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. You
2: take a scene, you it, you
7: you it, you You take a scene, you plan it, you you try it, you just in. You take a scene, you plan it, you you it, you it, You it, you're
1: Plus your calls, live at 971-533-7111. They're
6: walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end man and Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind
2: the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. We're locking up people that take a couple
6: of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now,
1: here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint, radical, Russ Belleville.
4: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. It's hour two, Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 971 533 7111. If you got something to say, a question to ask, a topic to ponder, I'm here for you. Here for you every day, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. And I'm serious about that phone line, 971-533-7111, because I get people that disagree with me, and it's fascinating to me. I get them that they disagree with me online, and some of them I even see them at events. And they want to challenge me. You're wrong. You're wrong about, you know, whatever. You should have so-and-so on the show. You should have me on your show to show you how wrong you are. Okay. You're invited. Monday through Friday, four PM Pacific time, nine seven one five three three seventy one eleven. And we have a, a, a policy on the show. Your first two minutes are completely uninterrupted. I'll give you the first two. Make a case in two. And generally if you're making sense and you're not, you know, calling people names and stuff, I'll let you just keep going on. Because it's something I call the jam session principle. (laughs) Got to realize, folks, I come to this gig from being a club musician. I played music in bars for years to pay rent, among other things. Did computer work, too. But a lot of music playing. Played bass, sang, and um, hosted a lot of jam sessions. I did these blues jam sessions a lot. And it was always fun. I always loved playing the jam session gig because you played, you know, generally in in club music, you play four sets or five sets, you know, four or five hours, right? And you get paid 50 to 100 bucks, depending on what it is, right? Well, for the jam session, you also did the same gig, right? You have your band, you play your four or five sets, and you get paid whatever you get paid, right? But if you're the bass player and the bass players are showing up to jam... Well they get up their bases and they play and you sit there in the crowd and you're still getting paid. <laughs> it's it's pretty nice gig running the jam session. You know, sometimes you have to suffer th- through a couple players that aren't so good but and then sometimes you got to suffer through a couple players that kick your ass. <laughs> it can go either way. But it didn't matter cuz you're getting paid, right? Well that's my attitude toward call-ins. <laughs> right? You want to call in and talk for 5 minutes about the Jack Harrow initiative. Call in. I'll let you talk. I'm not a mean guy. I come off mean, maybe. I I think sometimes people are afraid to call me because, you know, I go off in rant mode against, you know, a Kevin Sabet or, you know, somebody who's full of reefer madness or whatever, and they think they're going to get attacked. And I'm not going to attack you. I'm interested. When people disagree with me, I think it's fascinating. Right? Because I usually study my stuff pretty well. I usually look stuff up. You know me. I usually look stuff up and try to have a very cogent, well-formed, logically supported opinion. I argue with myself a lot before I say some of these things. <laughs> like, I try to tear down my own, arguments, my own arguments before I throw them out there. So when I've gone to all that work and I've come to a position and then I find someone disagrees disagrees with me greatly, it's like, well, either they know something I don't know or they analyzed it in a way I didn't analyze it, or they've got a perspective that I lack, tell me more. I'd like to hear it. I'd like to know more. I can only benefit by gaining more information. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll talk more about the news of the day, including a suggestion from our chat room about protesting Oktoberfest. Interesting thought. We'll get back to it right after this.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
1: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: We need to build a wall.
1: Okay, maybe you're high too. (laughs)
6: you <laughs> Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines.
2: Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can.
6: Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hudson, Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King Guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King Banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com.
1: You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the Marijuana Nation, only on cannabisradio.com.
4: Ah, oh, yeah, poppin' another rock star. Ah. Yes, I know they're terrible for me. Everybody, everybody's gotta tell me that every time. You know those things are awful for you. Yes, I know they're awful for me. <laughs> Thank you for the information. I gotta have a vice. I gotta have a. I gotta have a bad habit, right? And you know, speed kills. So if we're gonna pick some sort of speed, I'm at least going to pick this one. Uh, anyway, welcome back to the show, Radical Russ here. Beautiful Legal Potland, Oregon, Rolla J Studios. And uh, we were talking in the last hour about how these cannabis cups have been canceled in Portland, Seattle, and now Denver. It's like, damn, man, we legalized pot. You'd think now that we legalized pot, we should be able to have cannabis cups. But in different ways in each of these bureaucracies, from the city level to the county level and to the states themselves, they have thwarted our efforts to have cannabis cups. And it just boggles the mind. Because we have so many alcohol-fueled events in this country. We got football games with the tailgating, right? Think of your typical Sunday morning tailgate at Mile High Stadium, because I'm not saying Sports Authority Field, screw that, Mile High Stadium, and all these people tailgating and grilling and drinking and drinking and drinking, and you think anybody's out there checking IDs or making sure that 18, 19-year-olds aren't drinking? No. And we know that all this drinking is going to lead people, some of them to drive when they shouldn't be driving. We know it's going to lead to fights. We know it's going to lead to puking on people's shoes. We accept this. We accept it for just being normal. That's just society. You know, "Eh, that's a good day at the game. You know, some people get out of line, but not most people. And that's true. Most people handle their booze just fine. They have a decent relationship with alcohol. No problems with it. Most people do. And then we have these Oktoberfests, right? These big outdoor festivals. We have these big outdoor festivals. We make sure that the kids don't get in by by putting little paper wristbands around people's wrists. And having little roped off areas, right? That's, That's our security against children being able to access the most addictive and harmful drug on the menu. That's our security. That's how much we're worried about booze. We can have in Portland, we have a thing called the waterfront blues festival, 4th of July weekend, four days in a row takes over the entire waterfront park, which is this gorgeous bowl, like uh, amphitheater, natural amphitheater that, that abuts the uh, Willamette river. It's just amazing. 100,000 people there on the waterfront. Beer, 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 everywhere you could get it. And children, it's, it builds a family event. Take your family to the waterfront. Have your kids out in the sun, drink a bunch of beer, enjoy some great blues. So John Thomas in our chat room says it's time for us to start, you know, uh, protesting these uh, these events. And here's the thing. Back when in 2012, when we were going around trying to get marijuana legalized with Measure 80, uh, Marijuana Policy Project put up a billboard uh, in downtown Portland, and it was the beer, wine, safer thing, right? Where it had the picture of a beer, a picture of a glass of wine, then a picture of a pot leaf with the safer underneath of it, and it actually ruffled some feathers amongst our alcohol people here, because Portland's got a really—they've got an alcohol community. Right. We often say the cannabis community, they there's an alcohol community here about the craft brewers, the craft growers or craft uh, uh, vintners, I should say, the, you know, craft wines and even craft spirits. We have our own distilled spirits here in Portland. Right. It's amazing. You go to PDX airport, you're flying out of PDX. They actually have a sample table of whiskeys of, of home, you know, local whiskeys that you can drink in the airport. That's how little we're worried about the most dangerous, terrible drug out there that kills hundreds of thousands. And that's why it's so frustrating to try to figure out why are we so freaked out and worried about a cannabis cup? Why are we so, why are panties such in a bunch over a a cannabis cafe? (laughs) Just uh, given what we accept regularly when it comes to alcohol. Now, for some of these people they'll use that as the excuse. That's the old, you know, there's enough drugs on the menu excuse.
2: Well, alcohol's already
4: causing wrecks and violence and terrible things, so why add another drug? We we're just barely keeping it down as it is with alcohol. We're barely just being able to cope with that. Why add another drug to the menu? And of course the counter argument is that is a there's no adding to the menu. Pots here. It's always been here. But B, when you add more choices to the menu, people will choose one over the other. If there's a cannabis cup, if there's a a, a festival, a pot festival, a hemp stock, if there's an event like that, it's an event where people are rarely also drinking. And we're actually pretty cool with the idea of if it's got pot, it doesn't have booze. Some people hate me when I say that. For me, it's an intermediate step. I'll take that. That's a civil union step that I'll take. Fine. If we can't have alcohol, not the alcohol uh, uh, license, right? That's how Portland's got got banned is if you got a liquor license, you're a public place. If you're a public place, you can't have public toking. BS on that. Go ahead and say you can't serve alcohol where there's a pot event. It's not going to harm that many of us. Usually like last, you know, however many marijuana themed events I've done, when there's marijuana, when people can openly use pot and there's the option to get booze, those bartenders don't do well. I see a lot of empty, lonely bartenders at some of these events when the pot's available. Now, I'm also like when I was in Fort Worth here at that pot related event where there was no possible way you're in Texas, right? No possible way. Anyone's going to be smoking pot. Then yeah, the bartenders get some work, (laughs) but, uh, otherwise, otherwise these two things, you know, tend to be alternate choices. So by denying the cannabis cafes and the cannabis cups, you're actually exacerbating the problem of alcohol by not providing an alternative, by not providing something else people might enjoy, that's why I like to use that. Uh, oh, and, and as far as the the protest thing, let me get back to that because I don't I don't know that protest is the right word. There needs to be f- uh, a, a viral campaign, if if you would, right? But you have to be very careful. We have to tre- be very careful treading this line of we're not anti-alcohol, we're pro equality if you can frame it that way if you can make sure that what people take away from this is isn't that we're pissed off at alcohol or we think alcohol is dangerous that's why that's why the you know that the the marijuana is safer gig that that thing it's a double edged sword yes marijuana is safer and it helps us to get people who don't understand cannabis to understand they needn't fear this thing but It's kind of one of those things like, I'm a patient, not a criminal. Well, if you're not a patient, then you are a criminal, right? Well, marijuana is safer than alcohol. The opposite of that is, well, then alcohol is dangerous. Alcohol is more dangerous than marijuana, which is a true statement, but nobody wants to be told that they're dangerous. Nobody wants to be cast as the bad guy. So we have to be careful that we're not casting our friends who drink And like beer and wine and spirits, and again, most of them handle it just fine. They're very responsible about it. We don't want to cast them as villains in any way. And that's why that beer, wine, safer billboard raised some hackles here in Portland when it went up in 2012. But I'm not saying there couldn't be an effective viral sort of campaign like a protest, but as long as it's clear that we're not protesting the event, we're cool with the event they're having. We're cool with their Oktoberfest. Maybe people standing out with a sign that said, how come this Oktoberfest is okay, but a cannabis cup is not? Or standing outside of bars, how come this alcohol bar is okay, but a cannabis cafe is not? That's not accusing, that's not saying we don't want the bar. That's just asking the question, why, why is this okay and not that okay? And force people to have to think about that. And you know, what is the logic behind that? This this uh, relial on the Clean Air Act. I saw uh, Representative Ann Leninger uh, set out uh, her end of session is a special session we had. This end of special session retrospective on what they'd accomplished with marijuana. and they And, and she kind of brought up. This thing about the cannabis cafes and how, on the one hand, you know, people are looking for, you know, there's, you gotta have a place to use it. You know, if you're a tourist or you're, you live in public housing, you got no place to use your right, right? Like, what good's a right if you have no way to use it? It's like, you know, when he gave black people the right to vote and then you used a poll tax to make sure they couldn't. Well, that's where we're at with public toking, right? You gave us a right to toke, but you made it illegal for us to toke anywhere. So we've got to have some sort of cannabis cafe or or lounge, right? But she couched it in this. yeah, but we want to make sure that everyone's safe. We want to – come on. There's nothing showing that cannabis smoke, even secondhand, even firsthand cannabis smoke, is as harmful as the tobacco smoke. It's, again, setting these standards with tobacco and alcohol because they're the worst drugs there are and then using those standards for cannabis, which is the least like those two drugs – in its harm and its effect it's just inappropriate that we had to start with the worst drugs
7: from now on you will speak only when spoken to
4: sir yes sir (laughs) alright folks it's 420 here in Portland Oregon I got my strong silicon bong and I've got what did I get I got something in Astoria. It's, uh, oh, some Bruce Banner. We got some Bruce Banner. 40% indica, 60% Sativa, 28.7% THC, 100%
2: legal. orange hill contact orange hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com
1: the russ belleville show chat is for friends 18 and older we expect our chat to be civil mature and free from excessive profanity if you don't like these rules there are approximately six billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs.
4: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
1: Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Welcome back, everybody, 23 after the hour. Don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, live on CannabisRadio.com, you can get your sativa soul saved with Stoner Jesus. Hallelujah, Stoner Jesus coming up at the top of the hour. Remember, the Stoner Jesus show is not safe for work, but uh, neither are you, so (laughs) at least maybe your pee isn't safe for work, right? Can you imagine getting in a time machine, going back and explaining to the Founding Fathers uh, how test work for work well i let me let me let me preface that can you white people listening imagine going back and talking <laughs> right <laughs> to my black listeners like fuck no i'm not going back to the founding fathers no way <laughs> okay i i i feel you i hear you <laughs> native american listeners no fuck you i ain't going back uh, all right gotcha yeah, understood uh <laughs> privilege checked um <laughs> but anyway, can you imagine, tell, you know, trying to explain to the founding fathers that we, our employers routinely ask us for a cup of our urine before they'll hire us? <laughs> it just, wow. Well, maybe Ben Franklin can make something with it. Ben was kind of a freak. But uh, the rest of them, I don't know if they could understand that. I wanted to give some shout outs to the people in the chat room because a lot of people uh, uh, don't know we've got a chat room. But if you're listening on the cannabis radio page or on the spreaker page, there's a, a little cartoon-looking balloon, and you click that thing, and it'll take you to the chat room. Where hanging out in the chat room, we've got uh, Kelly Hollis, who says uh, there's eighteen thousand six hundred sixty-two liquor licenses in the state of Oregon. So yeah, it would be hard to have a cannabis cup. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Eighteen thousand six hundred sixty-two liquor licenses in a state of about what? What are we? Four million in Oregon. Wow. Uh, Tammy Wood says, uh, I love you and your rants. They are brilliant and inspire me. Well, thank you, Tammy Wood. Somebody out there loves me. I am loved. That means a whole lot, more than you'll actually know. (laughs) I can't tell you. It's been a rough few months. Uh, Thank you, Tammy. Appreciate that. Um, And then Kelly brings up this other point, too about don't forget the schools that are next to the brew pubs where kids walking home from school see people outside drinking i've got the perfect anecdote about that so before we got, had the you know the the measure 91 and the recreational pot shops of course we had in 2013 legislature passed this law that allowed for dispensaries and there'd been dispensaries before that but they're all kind of wink wink nudge nudge dispensaries right not exactly legal, but nobody was busting them. But in 2013, they were made legal. And so it became this issue about these, where these places are going to locate. And as usual, they brought up that you can't be within a thousand feet of a school or a playground or a church or a library or all that kind of crap. And I don't, I'm just throwing them out. I don't know if that's exactly our law, but you know, that kind of crap, because, you know if. There was a building where people were going in to purchase cannabis, and it was within eight hundred feet of a school. What? <laughs> what happens? I. This is the thing. I put. The, it's like these all these solutions in search for a problem. What would be the issue? What is the issue? Now I understand. Like when I went to high school in Nampa, Idaho, class of eighty five, go Bulldogs our high school right across the street was a Maverick store. Maverick is our like seven 11 or uh, in Missouri, they have stores called come and go um, plaid pantry, whatever you call me a you know, quickie Mart, right? So right across the street from Napa high school was the quickie Mart where you could get cigarettes and alcohol and cough syrup for that matter, <laughs> right across the street. And indeed you'd see these, you know, teenagers hanging out and smoking cigarettes and stuff. Right. But you don't see that with dispensaries. Right. Anyway, I I digress because in this situation, there was a story that came up in our newspaper, the Oregonian about this woman who was complaining about the, the, the sighting of this, where, where this dispensary was going to be located. And it was in like the Albina neighborhood, I think. It's on Albina, uh, one of our roads, North End. So uh, this woman was complaining because she was talking about how she lives in this, this residence, in a residential area just a block off of this road, which is kind of now one of those tony little neighborhood kind of like shops and stuff, right? And so daily, she takes her kids, one in a stroller, another kid walking alongside, up the block to Albina, makes the right to walk down to the children's bookstore that's down the street. They go there often. She was upset because this dispensary will be located within vision of where she's walking the kids. Now they wouldn't be walking by the dispensary to take the right to go to the children's bookstore. The dispensary would have been off to her left. It would have been right there but they wouldn't have to walk in front of it. It was like a, a, a an address over on the left, kind of to the corner, if you can visualize it, right? But walking up to that road, she would have looked across the corner and there'd have been a dispensary there. And then they'd have taken the right and walked down to where the children's bookstore is. And she was complaining about this in the, in the Oregonian, in our newspaper. Well, you know me, I looked shit up. So I found out where the dispensary is going to be located and where this children's bookstore was. And, and based on that, I could figure out where she up, which street she must live. And so I got onto the Google street maps and I start walking down that street, you know, virtually online and taking the walk that those kids would have to walk. And sure enough, (laughs) as they go up that street and then take the right, On the same side of the street as the children's bookstore, but before the children's bookstore, so they would have to walk right in front of it, is the Albina Brew Pub. And the Albina Brew Pub has one of those big old open patios where people can sit out and drink beer. And often do because, again, there's one of those nice little Tony neighborhood, you know, pedestrian-friendly kind of shopping zones. So the lady was upset that they'd have to look across to a building you know, out of the way of where she's walking, a building that would be limited in its advertising, that would be, would have to be not no products visible from the public, right? Either frosted glass windows or just walls, right? Where there's a person at the door that checks your ID that then has to buzz you through another door to get into where the cannabis products are. And then there's, you know, you could l- get a limited amount of cannabis products and then they have to be in child resistant containers that are then put in opaque bags, you know, pa- paper bags. So she's upset that while walking the kids, they might see some adults go into a building and come out with paper bags. <laughs> like, that's all the kids would see, Right. But then they're going to take the right and walk down the street along the sidewalk and be within feet of numerous adults drinking a bunch of craft beer on their way to the children's bookstore. Now, if that wasn't funny enough, it gets better. The Albina Brew Pub, on its edifice, right there, front wall, as you're looking at the thing, big copper metal kind of letters. Albina brew pub, right? Big old Gothic kind of letters and sprouting coming out on a, on a arm kind of like a sign and awning, if you will, coming out, this metal sculpture is a big old hop twice the size of my head. At least (laughs) a big old hop right there. Albina, big ol' hop brew pub, and a patio with people drinking beer. So the lady can't bear to have her kids see a bunch of adults go into a building and come out with paper bags of plant material that is related to the big ol' bud of hops. You know, hops and cannabis come from the same plant family, right, lady? <laughs> so there's this big old idol of a hop. It'd be Sacrificing virgins to this thing <laughs> that the kids can walk by every day. Hops. Oh. <laughs> we can walk by that. But, oh, God forbid we see adults go into a building that you can't see in to get a product the kids can't see and Even if someone dropped a bag accidentally dropped a bag and then forgot to grab it, come back for it. And the kids somehow got out of your immediate view and walked the opposite direction from where they go to the bookstore, found that bag and somehow secreted it away on their person before you could catch up to them. And then later they wanted to get into that. It's still in a childproof container. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, it's just... It's just frustrating, isn't it? The fear, that's this just the insane fear. And I just want to take people. I would just like to grab people one at a time and just take them into a dispensary and just, and into a grow because the fear goes away. Once you confront them with what it really is, one of of my favorite things about marijuana legalization is how boring and routine it is. Ah, like Carrie and I driving back from Astoria. Well, we need to get some, we need to get, uh, get some herb. Why do you, oh, I don't want to stop there. It'll just be busy. And they got too many customers and (laughs) it's like, like, you know, any other product, right? Oh, what a pain in the ass. I got to wait in line, right? It's just become boring and routine out here. And it's a beautiful kind of boring and routine because you're not being busted and I can't, imagine why anybody would want to reject this. That's the other thing. When you hear these people, oh, that's not true legalization. I just want to grab them. And like, I went to a pot shop and I just bought weed and it's tested and it tells me it's 28.7% THC. And it was weighed out in front of me accurately. And I can see it. It's of great quality. I can smell it before I buy it. This is Oregon where we're buying in Washington. It's all prepackaged. Oregon, they bring out a big old jar and you can stick your face in the jar and smell it and like, ah, and and I bought this weed and I can have it on me and cops can't do a damn thing and I can go home and I can grow plants. I can possess up to a half pound of weed and it's not legal. You got to like sell it better than that. (laughs) You got to show me what terrible thing. Oh, I could go. I could get a ticket if I had two ounces on me and I could get a misdemeanor if I had four more than that on me. There's like no amount of marijuana you can possess in the state of Oregon and get a felony for mere possession. Now, you know, intent to sell. I don't even know if intent to sell has a felony level charge anymore. But definitely possession doesn't. We had a case that just uh, went down where they caught a guy with like 19 pounds of weed in his trunk of his car and he's facing a misdemeanor. A serious one. I think it's like a class A misdemeanor, but... Misdemeanors are expungible. And there's no mandatory minimums on them. You're going to tell me that's not legal enough yet? Now, yes, eventually we get to the place where we can all have 19 pounds and it's not a problem. Hell, I can put a keg of beer in my trunk, right? Why can't I have 19 pounds a week? We'll get there. It's going to take some time. God, it certainly feels... Nice and legal for me right now. 36 after, we're back right after this.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Fuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way.
1: You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay, maybe you're
2: high, too. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living.
4: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and, and intelligently. To improve our well-being, take a
2: real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life.
3: Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be eighty years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better.
2: The concierge for better living with Doc Rob, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com.
1: Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at all. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Welcome back, everybody. 39 after the hour here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. I'll be here for this week. Uh, next week, probably Phoenix. I think. We'll see. Also, do y'all remember Jenny Ray McGee? We met Jenny Ray a while back, over a year, I think. She was a guest on the show, a young woman from Kansas who, medical marijuana patient, battling, I can't even remember which condition, but battling a serious condition. And uh, she was a little spitfire. She was a gung-ho, young, African-American activist. And the last we heard from her, she had gone back to Kansas to visit her mother, and she'd gotten busted. And she'd had a lot of cannabis medicine on her and was facing all these terrible charges. Well, the good news is she's free. She's roaming the earth once again. And we're getting to get all the details of what happened. I think there was some probation involved and she you know, was her first offense and medical, you know, uh, mitigating circumstances, yada, yada, yada. But we'll get the whole story from her soon. Uh We'll have her on the show again so she can tell us, give us a big update on what's going on. Because she also uh, is interested in this uh little legalization tour that I'm trying to put together. God knows I need an assistant. So, we'll see what happens. I don't know. We might uh you might be hearing a lot more from Jenny Ray McGee on the show. That's all I'm that's all I'm saying. Anyway, welcome back. And uh we're looking forward to the primary tomorrow. Michigan is happening. That's a big big vote coming up. I don't know if you saw the Democratic debate that took place. It was it was a little disconcerting because nobody would, you know, discuss the length of their penis. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, right? Please, can you believe that that Republican debate? Oh my god! <laughs> so like, what a what a contrast between you know Donald Trump and all his you know little Marco and Lion Ted and believe me, it's huge, uh, all that stuff, right? And then on the other side, you know, and and the rest of them, right? You know, hate, 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 oh immigrants, oh yeah, like uh, what was it? Uh, Bill Maher pointed out they spent the whole first hour talking about how they're gonna. You know, go up against immigrants, and then the second half hour, bragging about their immigrant uh, background, their immigrant parents or grandparents, right? But uh, the Democratic debate was was an interesting one, with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders facing off in Flint, Michigan, which has just been you know rocked by this scandal of their poisoned water, you know, their lead poisoned water, because their Republican governor wanted to save a couple bucks. It's a long story. Check out Michael Moore if you want to know it all. But uh anyway, they're having this debate in Flint, Michigan, and it got pretty contentious over issues like NAFTA, right? Trade agreements and how the uh you know industrial base, like people in Michigan, you know, all these factories and people lost their jobs and all this kind of stuff, all this economic downturn, all this Terrible you know, Detroit and Flint, these you know sit you know block after block after block of abandoned homes and shuttered factories and blight. So there was all this discussion about that, and nobody brought up marijuana. One of the few things that's actually burgeoning that's actually creating jobs and helping people in places like Detroit in Michigan are there medical marijuana dispensaries? Marijuana is a growth industry there. And it's just surprised. It just surprised me too, because Michigan's got credible efforts at legalization for 2016. And there's four or five other States that are fighting for legalization. And we get report after report after report about the tax money being raised and the jobs being created because of legalization and not just In the cannabis industry, but in ancillary industries, how many people do you hear me talking to at these uh, expo events that are their companies make vacuum ovens, their companies make thermometers, their companies make all sorts of things that now that they can apply them to the cannabis industry, their company has taken off. Marijuana is an economic engine of the 21st century, so when you're in Michigan, you're in Detroit, you're in Flint, and you're talking about the economic devastation and all the lost auto industry jobs and these shuttered factories, and there's this 800-pound hemp elephant in the room (laughs) just sitting there like, could someone bring up weed, please? You want to help the people of Flint? You want to help the people of Michigan get some good-paying jobs? You want to rebuild an economy? Hello? Hello? On that hemp side alone, I mean, think about retrofitting a GM parts factory to be a hemp processing factory. You're in Michigan, nice central location, well-established trucking and transit and train, everything you need to get your product back and forth. You can pull from all of the upper planes and all this area that's going to be such great prime hemp farming. Hell, Michigan will have plenty of great hemp farming too. And you could put people back to work. You could retrofit those factories for the hemp processing. We are just a couple years away from this hemp battery technology taking off. It, if, you, if you're an investor out there, you got some money to throw around. Send it my way, but after you've sent some to me, <laughs> think about investing in. You're throwing it away on me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a I'm a journalist. I'm a news guy. Uh, you know. I, I hope to break even, but uh, <laughs> see what a lousy salesman I am. But anyway, uh, you want to invest. You'll want to invest in this hemp battery technology in whatever companies come up to uh, put it together because this is amazing. If you don't know about this, this is where okay. So when you make a battery, you the, you have to have this superconducting material, right? And you have this graphene semi, semiconductor. Super, I'm not sure if I got the right terms right, but anyway, graphene is the is the technology we use now, and graphene is a carbon type molecule, and it's used for the battery storage, right? It it's storage capacity. Problem with it is it's spendy as hell. It's really expensive, I mean, relatively speaking, especially when you're talking about making big-ass, like, Tesla batteries to power a home or the big batteries you have in a Prius or a Leaf, you know, those, those uh, hybrid cars, right? Big batteries that have to store a lot of juice for a long time, right? So there's kind of this economic hurdle to clear when it comes to battery technology. It's gotten cheaper, but it's still spendy. Not so spendy that you're going to jack the price of a Prius up to where consumers can't purchase one, but still spendy enough that I can't purchase a Prius, right? And the bigger picture on this is when we're looking at alternative energy sources like uh, renewable, like solar, like wind, like tidal, uh, geothermal, all sorts of different alternative natural energy sources, especially solar. That we should be tapping into. Um, the problem with it is we have this grid, this electric, this electrical grid, that relies on there being a constant source of power. It's this alternating current power, and we need this kind of a constant flow of power. And again, I'm simplifying the hell out of this because, honestly, I'm not Neil Gra- Grass Tyson, <laughs> so but I'll do the best I can. But you need this constant flow of power in a power grid. And the problem with solar is sometimes it's dark, sometimes it's cloudy. Problem with wind is sometimes the wind don't blow, right? So you, you can't have a constant source of supply that you need to power the kind of grid that we have. So what you would do then is when it's sunny or windy, you'd push this power into some batteries. And then when it's cloudy or not windy, you've got that reserve power in the battery to keep this constant flow that you need. Problem with that is now we're not talking about batteries that are powering a Prius. Now we're talking about batteries that are powering a city. Now that cost problem with the graphene becomes a little more problematic. This is where the hemp comes in. The scientists now are finding out that hemp fibers, processed the right way, can have almost identical properties to these graphene fibers when it comes to battery technology, but they cost one one thousandth the cost. Ah, now it's working isn't it, right? One one thousandth the cost. Now we're not talking about Prius battery cost. Now we're talking about Duracell battery cost. Okay. We're talking a massive difference in the cost to the point where now the solar and the wind and the tidal, to be able to build the huge battery banks you'd need to capture and store that power for a long term becomes well within cost parameters becomes super affordable. Now problem is at this point, don't have a lot of local sources of hemp for this, for this graphene. You have to import it. And when, once you start talking about importing, even from Canada, you're adding costs there for your production and We need to process it. And this new process of making these fibers is still spendy. They haven't standardized it. They haven't got the factories built and all that. That's where Michigan comes in. That's where we start retrofitting these Michigan plants. And especially since these hemp battery technologies will become part of the new hybrid car fleets. We start tying the auto auto industry into this. We start tying in all these workers who have experience with autos onto this new hemp battery technology and bam, Detroit's thriving again. Flint is thriving again. Michigan is thriving again. But that only happens if we get people in elected office who can see this. Now, Hillary Clinton... I think she will see this as soon as you and me and everybody else sees it and the polls say that everybody sees it and then she'll probably see it. Bernie Sanders is on this shit right now, folks. Bernie is calling for the descheduling of marijuana. If marijuana's descheduled, hemp is completely legal. Hillary Clinton's talking about, "Oh, well we should study it and maybe move marijuana down to schedule 2 and maybe tinker around the edges." You think that's going to be any sort of Quick resolution to the industrial hemp situation? No, no, I'm putting my money on Bernie. And if you're in Michigan listening to me, get out to that caucus. That pri- it's a primary in Michigan, I think. Get out to that primary tomorrow and make sure you vote and vote for Bernie, the only candidate who's running right now in the Democratic or Republican parties who is for the descheduling of cannabis. End this madness. Take it off the list. And if marijuana is off the list, then hemp is a go. Every state that's got hemp right now can just go with it. Even the states that don't have hemp can just go with it. That's the kind of thing that's not Bernie wouldn't even wait for Congress on that. He'd sign executive orders. Go, start growing hemp. I'm a little partisan, but I'm happy because the latest Montana State University poll shows that Hillary Clinton's got fifty-two percent support. Bernie Sanders has forty-seven. It's down by five. It's within the margin of error. But he's closed from being 30 points behind in Michigan. Bernie's got nowhere to go but up. All right, going to take a break. We'll shut things down and get Stoner Geos on at the top of the hour. Stay tuned. You're listening to CannabisRadio.com.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: your
1: you're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
8: The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment.
1: Okay, maybe you're high too.
8: This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platschorn's TheSilverTour.org, supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com.
1: You're tuned into the Rush Belleville Show, the voice of the Marijuana Nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
4: All right, folks, closing up shop here at Rolla J Studios, getting ready for the Stoner Jesus Show coming up at the top of the hour. Stoner Jesus will save your soul. I don't know what from, but uh, that's between you and Stoner Jesus. I meant to ask, is there a stoner Holy Spirit? (laughs) I just... Was wondering. Well, pretty excited about uh, heading down to Phoenix, probably next week. Uh, folks, my life is just so completely open ended right now. <laughs> Getting divorced, I have no home, I have no property. Well, I have a 10 by 10 storage unit, I don't own a car. And I am just basically going to live from gig to gig to gig. And since I'm not tied down by anything, I don't have a whole lot of need to have firm plans. (laughs) So I know I'm going to Phoenix. I just don't know exactly when, maybe next week. So anyway, heading down to Phoenix eventually and uh, putting in some work with my friends at CannabisRadio.com. We're going to build this network up. And uh, also, for you longtime listeners to the show, you'll remember our good friend Wiz Coleco, right? Coleco Castile was my intern when I was working for Normal, and I was doing Normal Show Live, which is what this show evolved from. And uh, Coleco did an internship with me. He actually got college credit (laughs) for coming in and doing Normal Show Live with me, and and he ended up going to Normal events and so forth. And it was his introduction to the cannabis community, basically got him involved into activism. Well, uh, after normal, he you know he did his year, he went off and did his thing, and you know bunch of stuff. Uh, and not that we ever split ways, right? We just uh, went. It had lives. Well, now it's come full circle. It's it's Hakuna Matata. It's circle of life, man. Because now Coleco is working with us at cannabisradio.com. To uh, handle ad sales And promotions And he went to the uh, Cannabis business uh, event That was in uh, the Bay Area This last weekend And we might get him back on the air Doing the Irie Island Hour You never know Anyway, if you're interested in sponsoring The Rest Bellville Show As I go all across the country And expose your brand To lots and lots of people Shinepapers.com, I'm looking your way well, let me know, and I'll forward that request to Coleco, and we'll get you set up. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Stoner Jesus is next. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com
2: you grow growing, you're giant, you're it, you're you you smoking You take a seed, you're it, You grow it, you're giant, you're it, you're you smoking
7: You take a seed, you're it.